0: What happens when high fashion meets luxury cannabis? Our guest today reveals all. Welcome back to Women Leading in Cannabis, where we go deep and get real with pioneering women shaping today's cannabis industry. You can find us on the PodConnects network, on iTunes, Spotify, and Pandora. If you like what you hear, subscribe to Women Leading in Cannabis. I'm your host, Kira Reed, And I'm here today with Laura Eisman, co-founder of CBD and THC brand, Her Highness. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Laura is the co-founder of Her Highness, a cannabis lifestyle brand designed for women and available in six legal states and Canada. Laura is also an award-winning designer and creative director specializing in brand development and positioning, trend forecasting, visual and textual content, public relations, and marketing to women. Prior to Her Highness, Laura founded pioneer fashion e-commerce site, girlshop.com in 1998 with $5,000 of her own money, growing it into a $5 million business within a few years. Laura's strategic navigation of the volatile internet fashion industry has been covered by the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Ad Age, Entrepreneur, and People, among other publications. And she was cited as one of the 50 New Yorkers to watch. Laura co-founded Women's Media Lab, an educational mentorship to help women launch and grow their businesses, and she served as creative director at iVillage, the earliest women's online community. So great to have you here today, Laura. It's amazing to be here. I was looking forward to this all week. Oh, great. Me too. Well, let's get right into it. How did you go from high fashion to luxury cannabis?
1: It was a journey. It wasn't something that I just you know, went from one to the other. Lots of things happened in between. But I would say the thing that really kind of um, weaves them together is that I tend to really enjoy an early industry. Um, You know, aside from being a cannabis user and absolutely appreciating the plant and, you know, qualities and stories and, and all of that, and really wanting to bring cannabis into a woman's world. Um, I did a similar thing when I launched Girl Shop long ago, where it was a very male-dominated industry, and I saw the potential and the need for women to come online and and what that could do for them. And similarly, I see that, or I saw that in cannabis as I watched California become legal, um, I was looking at the branding and the products that are were being formulated and realized that nothing was created from this perspective or motivation to make women feel good or to bring cannabis into a woman's world. And so, that's really um, why I set out on this crazy journey in cannabis, um, and I have to admit, you know, my co-founder Allison Krongaard, um, we came together and our combination of experience is really what put this, Her Highness, on the map. Um, the combination of product development, which was her strength and is her strength, um, and my ability to kind of, you know, see the way to navigate it and change the conversation and create this world um, that women would be comfortable in. And
0: so, yeah, it just was very organic. So you're now joining the ranks of some really great luxury and women-focused brands like Kikoko, High Gorgeous, and Miss Grass. And although we have some incredible women doing great work to make products focused on women available, it's still not something you can find on every dispensary shelf. What are you going to do in your marketing to give yourself a unique edge? What are you bringing from fashion that's going to help you do that?
1: There are a few strategies um, that we have had since the very beginning. Um, our product, it's, it is CBD and THC, but it, it's also accessories. And so being in this non-plant touching category really opens up a world in mainstream Um, That allows us to market, to enter stores like Urban Outfitters, where we do have our accessories, and present ourselves to women outside of cannabis, but with that curiosity, bringing them into cannabis. And so that has been our strategy from day one. And we launched as a lifestyle brand with that in mind, knowing how difficult it was to market in cannabis. We kind of had this solution all along, and it just has really worked for us. Um, We also span so many categories within cannabis. So, you know, for example, we're not just a sexual wellness company. We're not just a pre-roll flower company. We touch. Our intention is to touch women's lives. Um, and their daily um, activities, every day, you know, things that will help them in their daily lives, and so that's a distinguisher, you know, ha- how we set out to be. But also, um, you brought up these other amazing brands and brands that we are close with, and know the founders, and appreciate everything that's happening in, in this difficult, and I'll say it again, male-dominated industry. Um, what we would like to do is, and you brought this up as well, create a women-friendly section in a dispensary. So if I'm, if Her Highness could somehow serve as an umbrella for this section because of our scope and bring in other women brands with us and create this section that's really comfortable so that women do walk into a dispensary. They know where to go, where they're welcome, which I don't think is happening. At least from my perspective, I walked out of so many dispensaries because it just is not a shopping experience that I'm used to or comfortable with.
0: I completely agree with you on that. And, you know, we've been trying really hard in California to change that reality. And it just, it's just not penetrating. And I'm curious what experiences you took from fashion. You know, you, you're an expert in trend forecasting and a lot of things that, we're really kind of lacking in cannabis. What are you bringing with you from the fashion world that you see cannabis is really missing? I mean, everyone knows that we are just terrible at marketing as an industry overall. But what are some other things that you can take from from the fashion world that can really help your brand and the rest of us learn how to do that the right way? How can we penetrate into those dispensaries so we do get a women's section?
1: Well, fashion is aspirational, as we know, and, um, aesthetically the way that we designed her highness, um, between my background in fashion and Allison's background in home decor, you know, that was really important to us. And this whole, um, it's, it's like the experience that you get when you're trying something beautiful on how that makes you feel. And so to translate that into cannabis, for example, we have some boxed items that are this beautiful unboxing experience. Our branding is more like beauty or fashion packaging. We have that cherry red color, which is like you know a Christian Louboutin um, feeling, and so it's incredible how women just are—they gravitate toward it because it brings kind of this glamour to cannabis that we've never ever seen before. And so that really relates to fashion. And when you open these boxes and you're opening um, inside is this beautiful red velvet with gold product. I, I love to give our Get Lit Kit, which is one of our gifting items, which is accessories to a woman without explanation and just have her open it and look at her face because what. The fashion part of it brings to it is just pure delight. You know, it's sort of like when you see the most beautiful dress from Zimmerman or whoever, you know, whoever is your favorite designer. And when you see that and when you want to try it on. And when you wear that piece of fashion, we want to bring across that experience. So, when you're holding our beautiful gold vape pen like a cigarette, or when you have our, um, it's what we call our snake in the grass ring, which is this ring that wraps around your finger and the snake's mouth comes up to hold your joint. And it lets you, it's almost like a modernized 1920s old Hollywood smoking experience. And so, you know, a lot of it's, Like fashion, the way that you feel when you're using it or when you're wearing it. And we do consider a lot of our products wearable in that sense, even our, you know, lips ashtray and our um, solid marble rolling tray, which, you know, is this beautiful statement piece on your coffee table. To bring that into your home is exactly the same thing as how we bring fashion into our lives and just surround ourselves with what makes us feel good. And I think cannabis has done a poor job. I can't even say that. I just don't think it had been on the radar for anyone to think in that way and to to do that. But that's really what we're doing is we're bringing those experiences of high luxury goods and and how you feel in that environment and translating it to
0: cannabis. So I, I'm really fascinated by trend forecasting. And that's not something that we ever talk about in the cannabis industry. And so I'm curious what you have taken from that part of your experience as you've built your company on an industry that you know, doesn't have a long runway of data to work from. And it's also interesting that you'd said earlier that you like to be on the cutting edge of new industries. So how do you, how do those two things work together when you don't really have a lot of that data to pull from about what those trends will be? Yeah. Um, so we,
1: not only do we kind of Forecast, but what we do really well in cannabis is we reimagine things and bring a new perspective to it. So, now I don't even feel like it's forecasting. I think that we're driving it. For example, we um, took this, the idea of transdermals, which you know traditionally are used to, you know, they're patches that help a sore muscle, and when we thought about a transdermal and what transdermals do. We thought, you know, women where they need pain relief is in their feet when they wear high heel shoes. And so we went ahead and made a product called High Heels. It's a pair of transdermals that adhere to the balls of your feet. You slide into your stilettos and you can walk pain free for six hours. And so here we are, like that's setting a trend. I can take that product And I can go to a shoe designer and do a collaboration. And so that's how we're doing it. And the trend forecasting, you know, to me, is not so much in cannabis. It's more about what's going on outside of cannabis and how can we use the benefits of cannabis into that trend. I, I feel like trend is sometimes a negative word because trends come and go. But really, it's about needs of that particular moment. So, you know, if we can tap into what's going on around us, what's popular, what people are thinking about, um, that's really what we're trying to do with, you know, if, if you want to call it trend forecasting. We're also, we are on the cutting edge of knowing what's happening in cannabis, all new technologies and new products. And so we take that, but we don't want to just put out a product similar to everyone else. And so for us, it's like bringing that into our heads, kind of moving it around, thinking about it from a woman's perspective, from what's useful, from what's fun, what's pleasurable, and coming out with something that's unique and different than what's on the market.
0: I love that perspective because we tend to get really locked in to cannabis and forget to look out at the world around us and let that kind of dictate or determine where our products should go in the future. So that's, that's really interesting.
1: You know, I don't think that we should just accept what's out there, right? Because then we're just kind of stuck in, you know, a culture that's maybe not advancing. And so to us, it's all about that. It's all about advancing it. It's about changing it it's the real success for cannabis is going to be bringing the mainstream into cannabis. And we know that. And that's becoming more apparent to companies in cannabis now. But those are the new customers. Those are the customers that need to find some sort of comfort and excitement and curiosity. And when they first come into cannabis, you know, they're not connoisseurs and they're taking a journey. And so how do you Um, not only help them on their journey, because I think a lot of brands can do that, but how do you, for us, like for women to more empower women, and I don't like that word empowered, it's overused, but I'm using it because what we want to do is make it obvious that this is made for you. You can do what you want. Like you can take that joint and smoke it You know, like your old Hollywood. You can do what you want with it. We're giving you the tools. We're giving you the product. We're giving you that aesthetic that you are, that's aspirational yet attainable that you're relating to. And so that's what we're trying to do. It's not really about us, it's about them, about the market.
0: Mm.
1: What's next for Her Highness? So we have our expansion in THC. And, you know, again, we have these three arms to our business, which sounds very intense and complicated, and it is. <laughs> um, So at the same time, we are advancing in legal states. So we're in California. We just launched in Colorado a few weeks ago. We're about to launch in Canada. So we're working on the expansion, which is hard. You know, we need... Sometimes a new partner every time we go into another state, and that needs to be managed. And so that's a lot of work. And working with our partner on the different products that will be available in that particular market. Um, But really, our specialty is making the brand, the brand awareness, the brand important, and being a household name for women in cannabis. So that's what we're set out to do. So we're extend, extend. Expanding our accessories line. You know, we're going into more fashion stores, museum shops. We're looking into partnering with hospitality hospitality. We have a pleasure oil, we haven't even talked about that, which is like across the board one of our most popular products. It's an orgasm intensifier, so it's it's not a lube, it's made specifically for women to give them a longer, stronger orgasm. And it's been a crazy game changer for women. We we have so many testimonials and press around this product. But we, instead of, or not instead of, in addition to a 30-milliliter bottle, we've started to do these single packets, which we call come on the go. We figure women don't want to walk around with a bottle in their purse. And so we have these packets that look like condoms. Um, It says come on the go and single Serving sizes one orgasm. And so we are working on getting that product into mini bars and hotels. Um, And so, you know, really thinking outside of the box. And like I mentioned before about the foot pads, you know, people who are like, oh, cannabis is not for me. And even CBD, I'm not even looking at that. When you present a product that has nothing to do with any psychoactive effects. And here, you know, you have, you can wear your high heels, you have a wedding, a, you know, red carpet event, you can wear these heels. And the fact that cannabis is in it is secondary for the moment, but then it, you know, it becomes this appreciation for cannabis and then it, it brings somebody to their next step in cannabis. And um, so we're working on products that, that like that, that will really change the conversations around cannabis and will really kind of carve out this path. Um, specifically for women, because that's our focus, but expansion, expansion, and just really helping the entire industry with the women's market.
0: So you did a lot of work for women in the fashion industry, and I'm curious now that you've been in cannabis for a while, how do you see the treatment of women? Is it better? Is it worse? And what do you think you can bring from your experience helping women in fashion to help the women here in cannabis?
1: I think all industries, unfortunately, are more difficult for women. I mean, we all know the statistics. Women businesses get less funding. They are valued lower. There's a lot of challenges. Women don't ask for enough. They don't, you know, they're not bold enough or not bold enough, but they're not as bold as men mostly when they're talking about the value of their business. And so what I did in the past, and not only for fashion, I did a lot of it for fashion where I, you know, um, my previous company, Girl Shop, you know, I was, um, I looked into different lines. We got submissions every day and I would select the lines that I thought had potential. And, and so I helped these women and not only women, but I did help these smaller businesses um, really grow and profit. And with women's Media Lab, that was focused specifically on women, not necessarily fashion, but it was a lot about educating. like, what is the p What's the balance sheet? We had these different workshops that just touched on different parts of business that, you know, I didn't go to business school and a lot of entrepreneurs didn't go to business school. You know, I became an entrepreneur because there was something I just wanted to do. I felt like it needed to, it could be out there. And I, you know, took that leap and started a business, but I never attended business school. I learned it as I went along and I think that there's value in from one entrepreneur to another, speaking about things like that. And just so that we can have, you know, a conversation, a smart conversation with potential investors and um, the ready, the readiness of that. But I think that there's really a need for more and more mentorships. You know, I think that it's really nice having women help women, entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs and, um, specifically, um, for cannabis, I it's, it's just a man's world. It's, it's, I find it really difficult and the, and maybe this is changing, but a lot of the women founded funds are very conservative too. You know, maybe the way that women just are in general, you know, as business owners, but yeah, I just, I find it very
0: difficult. You and me both. (laughs) it's like the story of my life daily you know it's well and you know the numbers show that you're not you know you're not exaggerating you are not you know crying a river this is that you know three to eight percent per year goes to women i mean this is this is just reality and how do we change that i i think we have
1: a chance to change that by banning together and you know if we're not strong enough as individual women-owned business, businesses, then let's help each other and let's, you know, make a stance. And, you know, I am um, also on the conference level and, and with panelists and, you know, it's mostly men. I mean, I just am observing all of this and I don't really know the answer, but I can see um, potentially what needs to change. And it's not about really continuing to separate men and women because i think that that makes it worse i think that there's a way for women to sometimes be in charge with that man woman relationship in a business does that make sense so i just i think that i just think women need to be more confident more comfortable and you know, again, have the power to make it the way that they would do it? Like, why do we walk into a conference and do it the same way every time? You know, maybe that's like, I'd be so curious to see if we were starting from square one, what would a woman founded conference be like? Like, how would we invent it from, you know, step one would it be different than it is now i just feel like a lot of times we're trying to fit ourselves into an established world and i guess i'm at the heart of it i'm a disruptor you know i'm i'm always thinking like okay well this doesn't have to be this way you know why are we accepting of it this way how can we make it different so that's where my mind
0: that is such a good point you know when i When I watch movies or see trailers for movies and it's like, okay, here's a movie that used to be with guys, but now we're just going to put women in it in the same exact situation Mm -hmm. as with men. Right. And I I always wondered myself, like, is that all we can do as a society is give women equality by making them uh, do the things that exactly the way that men do? You know, why can't we reimagine the things that we want and experience in a way that is unique, Mm -hmm. that redefines the models? I I really um, appreciate that perspective and totally agree with you on that. What are some ways you think what can be disrupted in cannabis? Well,
1: obviously, the women part of it has a long way to go. Um, There needs to be more focus on women And the statistics are there. Women are entering the space. They're the fastest growing market. They're entering the space at twice the rate of men. And I think these larger companies are finally thinking about ways to address it. But it's not about just taking the same, like (laughs) to your point, taking the same product and making it pink or sparkly. That's not the answer. And so, you know, that's, It just needs to, I feel like it needs to come from us. It needs to come from new people. It needs to come from people from other industries coming into cannabis. That's really what is going to make the difference. And it's happening, you know, now that there are so many more opportunities. I live in New York and with New York becoming legal and all the creativity that, just naturally exists in New York and you know people come to New York because they want to disrupt. <laughs> so you have like a city of disruptors. and I'm very excited to see what's going to happen once um, you know that is unleashed because I think that will really trickle into every other market. You know I think that New York is going to be a leader in disruption, you know. And it will create a more normalized um, environment for people to comfortably come into. So I, I think that that's it's happening. But um, you know, focusing again on the women, it's just that's something that um, really needs to be addressed. And it's so amazing that I'm in the industry five years. And the lines that you mentioned early on that are women founded, I mean, there's five, you know, that are, it's just crazy to me with all of the brands that are out there, how few are women, you
0: know? Yeah, well, we've seen a lot of brands that tried to do that also go away. I remember in the early days, uh, if I had a few sales rep friends who would go in and say, Hey, we've got this new product focused on women. Oh, great. Let's find a place for it now. eh, I don't know if it will sell. I don't want to put the energy into it. Not interested too much work.
1: And that's actually a great point because part of the problem is that the gatekeepers, which, you know, traditionally would be buyers, um, Don't know the potential customer, so they're reacting to a customer that goes into a dispensary that wants to buy the cheapest weed and get the most high. You know, in many situations, for us to go into a dispensary that that's thinking in that way doesn't really work because we we're successful at speaking to the customer. We know what the customer wants. 100% and we're kind of now just convincing and waiting for that gatekeeper to realize that. So that's unfortunate that that's happening. I come from fashion and we have real buyers. We have real buyers that are doing market research, that are doing analysis, that are kind of, you know, looking to the trend forecasting happens. And that just doesn't happen in cannabis at the moment. But, again, as people are coming in, professionals from other industries, it is starting to change. You know, distribution is getting a little better. The buying process will get better. The retail environment will change and get better. So it's, it's a new industry. It's an evolution you know, it's happening. I feel like, and as a New Yorker, I don't have a lot of patience. I'm used to just doing things. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I make a decision, it happens, but, you know, there is patience. (laughs) So, you know, and like, how long does it take for an industry to kind of mature and evolve? It takes kind of a long
0: time. So what I think is really interesting comparatively to fashion is that, we're dealing with this other element of hyper local uh, markets. So it's not like we have a store that we can distribute the same product to across the u s standardly. It's what is the what is the local buying market? Who are they and what are they interested in? What are the regulations of that market? How much competition is there in that market? So each county or Uh, city jurisdiction has completely different challenges to it, which is almost creating this more homogenization of dispensaries. And what I'm seeing is that delivery is where the, um, the focus on a specific type of product is actually becoming more successful. So I work with a woman who, for instance, has a delivery that is only about concentrates. That's all they do is concentrates. And I'm sure you're familiar with Andrea Brooks and Sava, where they are very focused on female and LGBTQ. We just had a really interesting um, panel discussion with both of those women and a few other women in the retail space and listening to what was happening in delivery versus what was happening in retail storefronts is really fascinating because the delivery, because they're smaller and they have a very different touch point with the customer, they're able to become much more focused in what they're doing and, and really identify a singular customer and go after that customer. Are you finding as the uh, manufacturer that delivery is a different experience for you than it than a dispensary and, and that maybe that is a good direction for you to go? It's very true. And women
1: um, tend to do research online. They like to kind of mull it over, look at things, really read all the text. And I think the way that the dispensary is not that friendly to that experience that – This online component, whether it's an online component to a dispensary or it's, you know, just a delivery service, allows women to do that. And I think that that's um, a very positive way to, you know, get information and make decisions and try things and not be seen walking into a dispensary or you know not going into a dispensary because you're with your child or baby and really allowing women to experiment more. Um, so that delivery p- component I think is so important. And we saw during COVID when dispensaries, you know, had to all go to delivery, it was actually positive for our brand because people were able to experience it and it was in a more comfortable way. So I do believe that 100%. But you you think about the same thing with any industry. And if we want to go back to fashion, it's like I can order fashion online and I can try it on at home and I may find things that I like and I'm really depending on a photograph of somebody wearing it and that's what makes me purchase it. After my research. But the real experience is going into a beautiful shop and trying, you know, and, and seeing clothing in person. So I think that there's a great combination there where if there were this beautiful dispensary, which is what we want to do with Her Highness, should we get a license in New York and open what we would like to say that is the Bergdorf of cannabis and create this just beautiful, luxurious red velvet couch, chandelier experience where you can learn and, you know, leisurely look through products, you know, when it gets to that, I think it'll be a nice combination of um, that research that needs to happen and when you want it to come to your home and it's very convenient and we have busy lives and we're moms and for so many reasons why delivery works. But the in-person experiences also could be such a beautiful experience. And as these consumption lounges really start happening in a beautiful way also, you know, that in-person, I think, is as important. Um, But, yes, certainly to your point, I think all of that is Will be so helpful, and I, we do see that we're about to launch a direct-to-consumer delivery service in New York. I mean, not in New York, in in California. So we're using Grassdoor, powered by Grassdoor, but it will be Her Highness branded from the moment that you place your order, and it will be a shopping bag. We'll come to your home. We will be able to give free gifts and do what we do best and serve our customer, make it like an exciting home delivery service. So um, <clears throat> I think also that is, you know, a new part of the delivery process too, where <clears throat> it can be branded, it can be more of a concierge type of type of experience. You know, all of this is open for improvement and, you know, making it, Higher end and more luxurious, and whatever. You know, we have, there are so many different um, market segments that are exciting to market to in different ways. I just, I'm excited for the possibilities. And what you said before, like, there are so many limitations that. But when those open or when we find the ways to kind of get around it and create something special, even if it's within the parameters, but if I can do a new shopping bag or I can give a gift with purchase or, you know, our product is made to delight. So we, for example, in our pre-rolls, we have a free gold lighter that we put in there and women go crazy. They're like, oh my God, I just got a free lighter or I just got a free ring. We put our, we have this beautiful um, sativa leaf ring and we have a product called Catwalkers, which are our little minis. And inside the bag is a free ring and it's this crackerjack moment. So all these little surprises, all these things that work in other industries And bringing that into cannabis, I think, is really, um, again, what is going to change things and make it different and, you know, and really allow brands and services. You know, it could be a delivery service that does it a different way. You know, why not? Or, you know, I mean, Cookies has been amazing with their branding. You can tell Cookies a mile away with, you know, that Cookie Monster Blue, (laughs) And it's a certain market, it's a certain experience. And I just really
0: appreciate those things that are happening in the industry. So one of the things that comes with being on the cutting edge of a new industry is lots of ideas and opportunities. And you've talked about a lot of different things that you're going to be doing. As an entrepreneur, how do you balance all of that delicious opportunity with not being spread too thin, not overextending yourself, and self-care. How do you make those decisions that protect you and your business from the excitement of being able to be a part of all these new things? It's so difficult.
1: <laughs> and aside from that, I'm a single mom, so and so is Allison. And so our lives are about juggling all of these things that are, you know, great importance, you know, raising your children, being there for them. I've missed conferences because my kids have something special going on at home and I'll never get that opportunity again. And so that's really important to me. And Allison and I have so many ideas that, you know, it'll take a lifetime for us to do all of them. But at the end of the day, you know, if we could make some sort of major partnership with either an MSO, you know, someone who could take part of that business, you know, take the THC manufacturing part of it um, off our plate so that we can do what we're really good at, you know, so we can do the marketing and we can do the product developments and we can make appearances and yeah, it's, we're figuring it out. I, don't have the answer to that. I'm spread. We're both spread very thin. We, um, do everything and it's not exactly always healthy. I feel like, you know, the self-care part of it gets pushed to the side a little too often. You know, if I need to make a decision, you know, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. So, um, I don't have an answer. I mean, we do our best and you have to just do what's, what's right. Um, make decisions.
0: Well, it's an honest answer.
1: Yeah. Miss some things, you know, there's tons of FOMO when we miss something. (laughs) We're like, Oh my God, we should be there, but we can't be there. Or we, you know, divide and conquer. And so, you know, one of us will do, you know, take care of things at home and the other one is out traveling. And so we just, we do our best. It's a, something you, you know, there's not really a playbook in my mind. It's um, until you're, you know, well-funded and well-staffed. I think that's a completely different situation. That's not where we are at the moment. So it's, it's really challenging, but it's so exciting that, you know, we, you know, kind of, I mean, we've never really gotten burnt out because, we're just so passionate and every time we have a new product in a new market and something's always happening, you know, we just tend to keep going
0: um, and you have to. I feel you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else that you would like to share with us before we go? Um, what would I like to share?
1: I yeah, I feel like we talked about so much. I'll tell you about a new product that we're about to launch Which is, (laughs) this is also something that's on the outskirt of cannabis, but we're bringing it into cannabis. We have this beautiful candle that we call our thigh-high sesh candle, and it's, um, I'm going to describe it, it's leg, it starts from probably the upper thighs and the legs point upward. And it's just these crossed legs where you light the candle at the wick is at the very top. It's about 18 inches tall. It comes in a box in a gift box with our gold lighter, because that's how you light it. It's a eucalyptus scent, which clears your lungs for a nice sesh and we're going to market this you know, in mainstream and in dispensaries. And so this idea of bridging mainstream with cannabis is a a little bit of our sweet spot. You know, it's these things are beautiful. They're not, you know, and they're things that you can buy as gifts and keep purchasing as well. So um, we're excited about, we're excited about every new product we have. This is what's on our minds right now. And then the other thing we're excited about is our Canada launch, which is interesting. It's our first international THC launch. And just learning about Canada and talk about um, regulations. the branding regulations in Canada was um, very eye-opening where the um, your logo cannot be larger than the THC warning symbol. Oh, interesting. So how's that? <laughs> <It's like laughs> um, so that's, you know, that's a challenge. And we went to Toronto a few months ago just to check out the market. We got this amazing retail tour and it's incredible how, again, how you can overcome something like that. So this idea of creating what they call vanity packaging and, making displays that really get across the lifestyle of the brand is what they're doing there and then you go home with kind of a very small branded packaged product but you already have that idea of you know this is a glamorous brand this is for women and and so that's smart and that's what they're doing there and i thought that that was very eye opening but we're we're excited to expand internationally, yeah. Congratulations. Awesome.
0: Thank you. How can the ladies reach you or learn more about Her Highness?
1: Our website, HerHighness.com. We're on all social media platforms and pretty active, which is Her Highness NYC. So find us on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn, Facebook. We are everywhere. So We love to speak to our customers. We love speaking with other people in the industry. I would encourage anyone to
0: reach out. Thank you so much, Laura, for your time and for sharing your journey with us today. Thank you so much. This was very fun. Ladies, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't yet joined the Women Employed in Cannabis community, go to weicwomen.com. There you'll find all the details on membership for women working in cannabis. WEIC is a community that provides networking, cannabis career coaching, and resources to support women working in the cannabis industry in the U.S., Canada, and around the world where there's an interest in legalization. We welcome women who are currently working in cannabis or curious about taking the leap into the industry. Consider becoming a WEIC woman member or WEIC business member for benefits and access across the network. And join us again for another conversation with Women Leading in Cannabis. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the
1: highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.